Hey, everybody. Welcome to the John Riley Project. How you doing? Happy New Year. It's been a while since I've been with you, so thanks for joining me. Um, we got a lot of great things planned for you today. Um, we're going to talk a lot about Poway issues. What happened in 2023? We're going to go over some of the top issues in 2023 and the outlook for 2024. I'm noticing one of my cameras is kind of blurry right now. I'm not sure what happened here, uh, but hopefully that'll kind of autofocus here in a, in a moment. But how you doing? Um, hope you're all doing well. Hope you had a really great new, uh, Christmas and New Year's with your family. Um, man, I have been just crazy busy. I don't think I've had a podcast here in uh, my podcast studio for a few months. I've been you know, I do a podcast twice a week with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, and that that show is just going gangbusters. We talk all about sports, uh, football, baseball, basketball. I mean, you know, big game last night, San Diego State basketball won. We cover it all. If you're interested in that, go check out Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and my podcast there with him. Um, and uh, yeah, there's Matthew Brannigan on the live stream said, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. So um, yeah, I'm doing two shows a week with Hacksaw, which keeps me really busy, plus my day job. And then uh, went on a nice vacation right after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and went with the with the fine wife and we went to New York City for like three days and toured the city and I mean we just we saw so much Book of Mormon Freedom Tower Brooklyn Bridge um, the Rockettes Central Park MoMA I mean we were just so busy for three days then we hopped on a cruise ship in New York and then went down into the Caribbean and uh, did that for two weeks in the um, first half of December. And then finally got back. And then, you know, after the cruise ship, you get kind of sick, you have a bit of a cold and it's a holiday. So, well, it's New Year. Now I have no excuse and I'm back. So thanks for joining me. Hey, you know, it's 2024. That means there's an election coming up. And, you know, we like to talk about local politics. So um, this this Friday, um, if, if you're interested in joining us, um, we're going to have city council candidate um, Fernando Garcia as our guest here on the podcast. And uh, we're going to just see, you know, how his campaign is going. You know, he's running for city council, uh, San Diego, District 9. Um, and, you know, he's got a big election coming up. He's been on my podcast before. I've been on his. Um, and he's an independent. He's not a Republican or a Democrat. He's running as an independent um, in District 9 in San Diego. So if you want to check that out, we're going to talk a lot, a lot of San Diego city issues. Issues. That'll be this Friday at 7 p.m. Um, and, uh, you know, looking forward to the 2024 season with the uh, pol the political campaigns coming up. And I'm, I always have an open invite here on my podcast for any political candidate, whether you're running in Poway or in Poway Unified School District or you're running for city council in San Diego. If you're running for Congress, I mean, you, if you want to join me on this podcast and you've got a San Diego connection, then please do, you know, and join me here on the John Riley Project. OK, so um, what? What do we got going today? We're, we're going to talk about, there was an article in the Poway Union Tribune, uh, or excuse me, the Poway Chieftain, which is part of the San Diego Union Tribune, uh, that talked about Poway issues, and that we, they talked about the big stories in 2023, and um, and what, 
some of our local officials are looking forward to in 2024. I'm going to comment on a lot of those topics. And, you know, we welcome your thoughts and comments. So if you have a question or a comment, drop it into the live chat on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, and I'll see it on screen. I'll get you involved. Um, so we're going to talk about Poway today. Um, and again, using our friends at the Poway Chieftain kind of as our launching point, because they wrote an article. They wrote two articles, one about the 2023 in Poway. What about one about 2024 looking forward? We're going to um, we're going to do the same thing in Rancho Bernardo and with Poway Unified School District. And those podcasts will be coming up probably in the next week or so. OK, so let's jump in and let's talk a little bit about one of the big issues in 2023. And it was, as you could expect the farm, the farm project in Poway, um, and then Lifetime Fitness. And, you know, they're the company that was wanted to put in that fitness club. And this got so much reaction in Poway. It was crazy. I mean, just to quickly tee it up. This is a former golf course, the Stone Ridge Country Club, and they closed it. The new owner came in, wanted to build condos. It had to go to a public vote to change the zoning from open space recreational for a golf course to, you know, single family homes or some kind of residential zoning. Um, that was because of Prop FF and Poway that required the voters. They were the only ones that could approve any of those changes. And the voters weighed in in 2017 and said no. And then he closed, you know, Schlesinger, who owns the property, closed the golf course. Now Kevin McNamara re-entered the picture. They put a new plan forward in 2020. This was approved by the voters. And it was approved. And Kevin McNamara said there will be no changes to the plan that the voters approved. Well, sure enough, here we are. They're doing all the development at the farm. And by the way, it's going gangbusters. Houses have gone up. People are moving in. And um, they, you know, Kevin wanted to change the plan for the farm. And he wanted to, uh, you know, go from like a small format fitness club, you know, probably just for the HOA into a commercial big time operation with Lifetime Fitness. And this riled a lot of people in Poway because there's been so much development going on. And this is one where the public were allowed to weigh in and you know, there was a lot of uproar about, you know, putting in this this fitness club, which was Interesting. It, you know, on one level, it seems kind of trivial. Like, why are people complaining about a fitness club? Well, the main reasons are, you know, because of the, the traffic and more people going in and out of the area. But really what it came down to is the people were angry that a vote that was supposed to be locked in was now suddenly potentially being uh, changeable, that, you know, pr- potentially the the developer, in this case, Kevin McNamara's company, could just change it unilaterally. And now this has been debated. City Council has been weighing in on a lot of this. But here's just some updates from the, the article. It says, construction at the farm and Poway Development um, has plans for 160 homes and a butterfly farm and community gardens and restaurants. And the development was going all the way through 2023. The $300 million project is scheduled to be mostly completed in the fall of 2024. So what is that? That's like eight or nine months away, um, according to Kevin McNamara. And so, you know, it's it's amazing the, the redevelopment that has happened over there. Now, in order for this plan to, for Lifetime Fitness to go in, it, it, the city council has to weigh in and decide, hey, within the scope of the the um, uh, the ballot that was passed in 2020, is there wiggle room for the developer to change the plan or not? 
And then if not, then this potentially would have to go to a vote. And so what they did is they had these public meetings here in Poway with officials from Lifetime Fitness. And there were two meetings. I don't know if you attended any of them. I went to one of them, the one that was up at the Lutheran Church, um, you know, up on Espola. And I'll tell you, it was just a kind of a weird vibe in the room. Um, and I'd imagine the presentation at down by City Hall was probably similar because they had officials from Lifetime Fitness there and they were mostly there, you know, um, with good intentions just to answer questions and comments from the community. But the questioning was really interesting because people were asking questions like, you know, how big is it? How much noise is there going to be? The pickleball courts, is that going to be loud? What time do you open? What time do you close? How many... How many subscriptions to your fitness club or memberships do you plan to sell and how much are you selling them for? And there was a lot of this sort of micromanagement of the way Lifetime Fitness wanted to conduct their business. And people were agreeing and disagreeing and everything else. And I'm in the back of the room. I'm thinking, well, in a rational world, Lifetime Fitness would be able to make their own decisions on how they manage their own business. Um, but this is in a weird category because because of the vote in 2020 and because the Poway voters said that we're approving it and 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 the plan was there wasn't going to be any changes to it. Um, so that was a huge story in 2023. And by the way, the homes there are selling uh, for you know starting at 1.4 million for a 2291 square foot model to nearly 2.25 million for a 4600 square foot place they're still planning on doing the butterfly farm and i know there's a lot of people that are skeptical of the butterfly farm they think it's a gimmick they think it's not going to actually happen but uh, McNamara has hooked up with the butterfly people out in Lucadia or Encinitas, and they're going to, I think, bringing some of their operation out here to Poway. So this has been a big story. I mean, what do you think about this? If you have a question or a comment, type it in the live chat on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Twitter. Now, there were a number of other kind of big issues in 2023, according to our friends at the Poway Chieftain, and the other one was homelessness in Poway. And if you remember, the city of Poway passed an ordinance that essentially bans homeless encampments. And this is an interesting one because, you know, the homelessness crisis is is everywhere. Um, you know, you, gosh, you go down by Petco Park. I mean, you go into some of the bigger cities. It's everywhere, homelessness. And yeah, there's homelessness in Poway, too. And a lot of people are all struggling to try to find ways to solve the crisis. But there's also in my opinion, a realistic movement to say, okay, we want to solve it. But at the same time, we have a problem on our hands right now with homelessness, homeless people setting up tents, encampments on the sidewalk, in the public right of way, on public land without permission. Um, and is that right? And the city council in Poway took the initiative and said, we're going to ban these. Now, this at first sounded like some evil thing, like, oh, my God, they're going to be kicking homeless people out. It's going to be like they're going to be dragging them out um, by their shirt collar out of Poway, et cetera. But it hasn't really turned into that. Um, they've they just began enforcing the protocol and they've the police have approached homeless people, told them about the plan and they have 
the homeless people have found another place. Um, and it hasn't turned into a deal where people are getting arrested and properties getting confiscated. So that's good news. But it does make you wonder where they're going. I mean, because wherever they go, there's going to be problems. I mean, and it's, this is really just sort of a whack-a-mole move um, that they're trying to do here in Poway. But I remember I went to the city council meeting where this was discussed and the major news media was there. This was kind of a big deal because I think other cities in San Diego County were talking about the same thing. But homelessness is this crisis that, in my opinion, is the direct result of the fact that there's not enough housing in in California, in San Diego, even here in Poway. Um, And homelessness... The primary reason for homelessness is that people can no longer afford to live where they lived. You know, people are living on the edge, living paycheck to paycheck. Something goes south. They can't make their rent. They're out. And we all know how expensive rent is in San Diego County um, or even here in Poway. And, yeah, there's a lot of other ancillary issues, you know, with mental health and drugs and alcohol. And, I mean, we can, you know, the economy. But ultimately, it's the fact that there's just not enough housing and housing's just too expensive. So it's interesting when you see government officials trying to solve the homelessness problem or, you know, sweep it under the rug while not fully addressing the problem that needs to, to, to what we need to do to solve the problem. Um, but it was a really big issue here in Poway um, in 2023, and maybe you saw that on the news. So again, I, I welcome your thoughts and comments here in the live stream. Just type them in on Facebook, Twitter, or on YouTube. And then, by the way, you know Brian Pepin, our city council member here in Poway, was the one that sort of put this thing forward, this this whole proposal forward. And according to him in this article, he says he's seeing fewer homeless people in Poway since the ordinance took effect. And I'm wondering myself, is have I seen the same thing? And I think I have. Um, you know, homelessness in Poway is a lot different than homelessness in a lot of other cities uh, because a lot of it in Poway is sort of tucked away. You know, it's not as visible as it is in other cities. But I think overall, I, I think that sounds about right, that there's probably been less visible homelessness. But I'll tell you what, where it's really bad is I go down by the sports arena. I have a client that's down there. There's a, it's a real problem there in San Diego, um, obviously near Petco Park and other parts of the community. The city officials have a lot of things to resolve when it comes to homelessness, and they're scrambling for solutions. This is a problem that's not going to be solved for a very long time. Um, people say we need more affordable housing. People say we need shelters. People say we need a lot of things, um, you know. We need uh, transition clinics and shelters and all this other stuff. And those are all be helpful. But ultimately, it's it's all a derivative of the housing crisis, in my opinion. OK, what, what else is coming up? What else happened in 2023? And this is an interesting one here. And I, I, I want to learn more about it. And, and this is the Poway Community Foundation. And up on the screen, you may see some recognizable faces. That's the Couvret family here in Poway. And the Couvrets are um, very, very active in our community. You know, Ginger Couvret, besides being a well-known realtor, is also on the Poway Unified School Board. Her husband, John, is the 
I believe it's the chairman of the Poway Chamber of Commerce, and he chaired the city of Poway's Budget Review Committee. And they're very involved with Kiwanis and a lot of other nonprofits in the, in the area. Just two community dynamos. And they have great kids, too, by the way. Um, and uh, they started this Poway Community Foundation. And to me, this is very interesting. I mean, um, it's still, I don't really understand the detail of it, but it sounds like this is going to be a plan where Powegians can donate money or in some cases donate goods or donate their time to help, but mostly money um, to a foundation that can go and then, you know, be able to provide financial assistance in various parts of the community. And they haven't been really specific on where these 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 dollars may go, but this might turn out to be actually a pretty good thing because there are a lot of things that our city does that you kind of wonder if the city should be doing it. I mean, a great example is the Poway Performing Arts Center right next to Poway High School. Right now, the city of Poway is subsidizing that. They, they used to subsidize it to the tune of around – $800,000 a year. It was subsidized by taxpayers. Um, and I know the city council has been working on a plan to reduce those subsidies, but they haven't eliminated the subsidies. Now, in my opinion, local government shouldn't be setting up performing art centers in the first place. Local government should be all about, you know, public safety, you know, like police and fire and, and then infrastructure like roads and water and sewage and, and then parks and, but after that, you start to get into a lot of categories that, in my opinion, are optional. And I don't think taxpayers should be funding this Poway Performing Arts Center. Well, this Poway Community Foundation might, maybe, I don't know, might be chipping in there. I'm sure they've got a lot of other worthy projects on the board. I did see some reference to, you know, potentially helping out with some of the parks, uh, park upgrades. And, you know, that's a possibility. I know that. You know, maybe even helping homelessness. Maybe that's something. I know that they they might want to channel some of these dollars through some of the other community organizations to kind of help people. But they're looking for donations of, you know, really like around five grand, you know, to really become a member of this group and become an active participant. Uh, they'll, they'll take donations much lower. I think they're they're definitely um, looking for a thousand dollar donations. But to me, this is interesting because the Couvrettes are just so active in Poway and they do a lot of good things in Poway. They have their heart in the right place. I'm not sure exactly where these dollars are going to go. I'm not sure how much they've, they've raised. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know if this is going to be supplementing government or supplementing schools or is this these dollars going to be, um, you know, really just for private concerns. I think we're going to find out more. Um, but this potentially has a lot of upside for Poway, and I think this is pretty cool. I want to learn more about their objectives. Okay, what else? Big stories in 2023 in Poway is Midland Road safety was a big issue. Um, I think we've had two people that have been killed by cars on Midland Road. And the city has taken an active role in trying to get community meetings, find ways to calm the traffic, but there are people that still go blazing up and down Midland Road. Now, keep in mind, Midland Road has Midland Elementary. So twice a day, you know, there are cross uh, crosswalk guards and little first graders crossing the street. You've got Poway um, 
uh, Old Poway Park and, and Aubrey Field with the softball fields. So there's always families and children there. You've got the um, Poway, Old Poway Village Shopping Center, and there's some restaurants there um, that have that old-time Poway vibe, which is cool. And so that portion of it really could be a very good slow speed, walkable kind of a community. But at the same time, there's a lot of higher density housing that's very close by, apartment buildings, mobile home parks. Um, There's some affordable housing condominiums that are nearby. So you end up with a lot of traffic going in and out of there as well. And this is something that they're trying to solve. And it sounds like they're going to come up with more signs that they're going to use to, to help slow down traffic and try to make the roads safer. Um, in mid-October, the city council unanimously approved spending about $170,000 for signs that were scheduled to be installed within a couple of months. Okay, well, we can agree or disagree on if signs are a good answer, but $170,000 for signs? Really? That's how much it costs to put in signs? I mean, that's just insane. Um, but probably necessary. I, but it's still shocking that it costs that much to set up signs. Um, Councilman member Kalen Frank said at the time that the upgrades are about increasing pedestrian safety and awareness. But residents said outside of the meeting that they were hoping for reductions to the speed limits in the area and speed cushions or speed bumps on the street. John Barton, a resident of the Poway Park Meadows condos at Midland and Edgemore Street, said the new safety measures are a good start, but they don't go far enough. He said, quote, it could work, but I just don't see how more signs are going to slow people down if they're ignoring the ones already there. And, you know, that's a valid point if they were already ignoring the, the signs that are already there. What do you think about this? Um, you know, Matthew Brannigan on the live stream says, great candidate for a roundabout, I think. I think you're right. See, I, Matthew, I think you're onto something here. So in my opinion, the city definitely needs to do something here because it, it's, it's kind of like the, the thing that Poway Urbanist guy talked about, about streets versus roads, where – Streets are like local streets, smaller streets, neighborhood traffic, um, people going, you know, like 25 miles an hour kind of thing, where roads are like 45 miles an hour and up, where you're going to get from point A to point B in a reasonable amount of time. But Midland Road is kind of a merge of the two, isn't it? I mean, the the southern part of Midland Road is like a street or excuse me, like a road, you know, where it's it's wide, it's multiple lanes on each side particularly as you get near Poway Road. But then it narrows and it becomes a legitimate street. So there is like almost like an identity crisis with what Midland Road should be. Now, one man's opinion here, in my opinion, I, you know, I think Matthew's right. I think a roundabout right there in front of Midland Elementary would be a clever thing to do. Um, speed bumps make sense to me. I think in the end, they need to find ways to redirect through traffic to community where people can go from Poway Road to Twin Peaks and just blaze up there with minimal stops, minimal lights. And then having Midland Road really for that slow traffic for residents and and you know school children and people at the park. So they're putting up more signs. I don't know, is that going to solve it? I mean, we had a similar problem because I live in North Poway. I live right off of Stone Canyon Road. And I don't know if you're familiar with that street, but we've had um automobile speeding challenges in this part of the world as well. 
because Stone Ridge is sort of kind of a thoroughfare from Martin Coit all the way out to Pomerado. And, you know, there's people going in and out of the community. There's people going in and out of, of um, Painted Rock Elementary that go up Martin Coit and down Stone Canyon. And there's a big hill on Stone Canyon and speeds can get pretty hefty. Um, and the speed limit is 35. And parts of Stone Canyon have a recommended speed limit of 25, like in the S-curve area of that street. Neighbors there got really upset. They, they went to their city councilman, who at the time was, was uh, um, Barry Leonard. And to Barry's credit, he got a group of people together, heard everybody, listened, had engineers and, and you know, street safety folks there from the city. But there, and, the, and the city residents, what they wanted was speed bumps. They wanted to lower the speed limit. Um, but the city didn't do that. Um, the city instead chose to just put up more signs and to paint the lanes narrower to feel like it was more, give the illusion to the driver that it was a more of a cramped feeling and maybe they'd slow down. And that's worked a little, but not really that much. There's still a lot of speeding on that street as well. Now, the excuse was, is that, at least for Stone Canyon, is that because it was considered sort of a uh, second tier arterior, um, um, you know, thoroughfare, that it had to be at 35 miles an hour. Because it wasn't one of the main out, um, the main channels of transportation. It was like a secondary one or a tertiary level street. And so they had to have, provide a 35 mile an hour speed limit there. I'm thinking Midland Row might be in the same boat here. But yeah, I mean, especially now with all the development that's going on in Poway, all the new housing that's going on in Poway, you know, there's a lot more people here. So there's a lot more cars, a lot more congestion. There's more kids going to school. Um, so hopefully this is something they're going to eventually fix. But we're going to keep an eye on this story on Midland Road and to see if there are improvements there that are significant. Okay, moving on down the list, 2023 year in review in Poway. And again, this is all from the article in the Poway Chieftain, and I'll include the link in the show notes, where they went through what their opinion was, the top stories for Poway in 2023. The other one they had on the list was this $38 million bond program for the water infrastructure up by Poway, Lake Poway. Um, This is also another interesting one because we had the... Poway boil water ordinance. Remember when we had the storm water got mixed with the drinking water? What was that? Was that in 2019, I think, is when that happened. Um, And then, you know, the Poway got in trouble there because, you know, they had infrastructure that wasn't up to snuff. They had a problem. They fixed the problem, but it opened up a Pandora's box. And now they got to fix a lot more things. But in the end, this is something that's actually good because, Water is one of the, you know, the essential functions of local government. Um, So they've got to fix it. And the infrastructure has been in existence since the early 1960s. And we hear all this chatter, you know, all around the United States about the need for more infrastructure. And in many ways, they're right. But this has caused a, a whole lot of disruption. I mean, they they ended up having to create those temporary tanks. They plopped them onto the Lake Poway softball field, which displaced softball players who are now playing down at Star Ridge, which is not supposed to have um, organized sports, according to some letter that a city council promised to the residents. 
but now they do have organized sports. So that whole thing has had kind of a ruffle, uh, ruffling of feathers in various neighborhoods um, because of what happened up at Lake Poway. But they're going to be putting in this new infrastructure. Now, it's $38 million in bonds. I, I'd like to hear, I, or I need to do more research, or maybe someone can tell me, is how are these bonds going to be funded? Um, are they going to be adding a uh, another line item to our property tax like they did for the billion-dollar bond for Poway Unified and that we pay for it out, uh, as an extra in our property tax bills? I don't know. Um, is this is this money just going to be coming out of the general fund? You know, every year Poway has a city budget of like, I don't know, like $100 million or maybe $150 million, something in that neighborhood. Are they just going to have a monthly payment uh, to you know pay down the bonds? It's just going to come right out of the general fund, or um, are they just going to tack on an additional fee onto our existing water bills, or raise the rate on water? I, again, I know they're going to be planning on raising rates for water, and I know part of that's because the wholesale water rates have gone up, and there's a whole lot of other things going on with water that makes it more expensive. But I, I still don't know. Uh, and it partly maybe my own lack of research, but if, if someone knows, I'd love to hear. But that was definitely a big project here in Poway for 2023. And, and you know, they've got a lot more work to do, but it's been a significant 2023 story for our city, even though it's kind of tucked away up there by Lake Poway. Okay, what else was a big story in 2023 in Poway? Oh, the, the hate litter thing. Have <laughs> you remember that? Um, so this was one that was definitely championed by Steve Voss. And um, this was in reaction to um, there were some people that were distributing flyers around the Poway Chabad, you know, the Jewish synagogue, with a lot of hateful speech, apparently making threats to people and putting them on windshields of cars all around the synagogue, which is just nuts. I mean, unbelievably nuts on many different levels. And so the city of Poway enacted what they called a, um, a ban on flyers that spread hate. This is this is has a lot of context, you know, within our new sort of woke world um, about hate speech, et cetera. But according to the article in the Poway Chieftain, hate litter is described as flyers or other materials that are distributed in public areas with the intent to willfully injure, intimidate, interfere with, oppress, harass, or threaten anyone based on characteristic or perceived characteristic, according to a city staff report. And according to Steve Voss, he said, quote, I was disgusted a couple of months ago when the neighborhood around Habada Poway was littered with hateful flyers intended to sow fear, intimidate and harass our Jewish brothers and sisters. And, you know, the mayor has a kind of a connection with the Jewish community, because when we had that horrible Habad shooting, when was that? Like three or no, maybe like four or five years ago. Um Mayor Voss was very involved in the um, in comforting, you know, people in the Jewish community and Powegians at large. So he's always kind of had his radar up on on issues related to the Chabad. But the the thing about this that kind of struck me as odd is, I mean, clearly, um, clearly there is a need to ban hate litter. I, I don't think there's really very few people that say 
hate litter should be allowed. Because A, it's litter, and and B, um, we you know however you define hate speech, definitely if it's speech that is intimidating or threatening people, well, that kind of speech is already illegal, right? And frankly, it's 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 the threatening of it, you know, the the harassment. That's the part that's illegal. The words spoken, you know, we have free speech or supposedly we have free speech. But it seemed to me that litter was already um, a uh, something that was banned and making threats to harm people, to intimidate people, to injure people. That, I think, is already illegal. So why the need to pass a ban on hate litter? It might have been a virtue signal. It might have been just to make it clear in Poway that we're not going to put up with this. So. And I'm sure the Jewish community went right on and a lot of other people said right on. And I don't think anyone's defending the hate speech, but it just seemed odd because I kind of figured it was going to be illegal in the first place without having to pass the the ban. Um, What else? (laughs) We got Pete Neald on the live stream chiming in. Wow, JRP is back. Focus on Poway and our difficult pursuit of happiness. Yeah, thanks, Pete. I, I have been really out of pocket the last couple of months. Um, I have been um, busy with my other podcast. I have been, uh, you know, that I do with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, our sports podcast. I've been on vacation and it was the holidays and I kind of got out of my rhythm. Well, I'm back and I, I want to keep going with my project. And, and here we are. So thanks for joining me, Pete. I always appreciate your support. Um, let's go down the list. What's the next big story according to the Poway Chieftain? Oh, it's the Poway Rodeo. They have their 50-year anniversary here in Poway. That, you know, that, that's kind of amazing. I mean, really, 50 years of a rodeo in Poway. And, you know, this goes way back to our history, to our roots, to Poway being the city in the country. And this is one of the legitimate vestiges of that feel-good motto, the city in the country. Like, and I've argued Poway probably needs a new motto. Because we're not really a city in the country anymore. We're a suburban city. And we have a few of these vestiges that we hang on to. The, the, you know, the Poway Rodeo is one of them. And, you know, there are a few others where there is still a little bit of country in Poway. But it's really more of a suburban community. But it was just interesting that they had their 50-year anniversary. And it's kind of a cool event. I mean, have you ever been to the Poway Rodeo? Um, I went. Um, gosh, it was probably about 10 years ago. And... Uh, had a great time, you know. Uh, there, there are a lot of community building things that are going on there. A lot of friends and neighbors connecting and reconnecting. Um, you know, some of the events at the rodeo, you know, are, are not necessarily the things that I enjoy going to see. Um, but I know within that cowboy culture, this is a huge deal, um, and we get like legit big time professional rodeo guys here, uh, which is cool too. I, I do wonder, though, um, you know, the Poway Rodeo Grounds are kind of across the street from Twin Peaks High School or Twin Peaks Middle School. Who owns that land? That's got to be really valuable land. And with all of this housing e- issues going on and the building housing everywhere in Poway, I'm surprised that that hasn't been converted to housing. Um, I'm sure people are yelling at me right now. Shame on you for even suggesting the idea. Because I know that there's like a, like a polo group, you know, that, 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 that works out there or has some facility there. And I obviously there are stables. 
But yeah, that's some primetime real estate. It's amazing that it continues um, uh, to be a thing in Poway, that developers haven't gotten a hold of land, which, but in the end, I wonder who owns the land. I mean, if you know, let me know uh, on the live stream. So these are the stories that the Poway Chieftain said were the big stories in 2023, but there was so much that they missed. Oh my God. So what are, what are some of the things that they missed? Well, like right there on the photo, that's a picture of the Fairfield project right there on Poway Road. Um, that development is huge. I mean, it's really big. I mean, just in general, all of the development on Poway Road over 2023 have been continuously um, pumping steroids into that into that area with more and more and more housing. Now, you know, a lot of people in Poway don't like the housing. There's some people that do like it. I'm one of them. But in the end, this is clearly probably the biggest story in Poway is all this housing development. And it's really weird that it wasn't on the Poway Chieftain's list. And by the way, if you've gone by that Fairfield project, you know, that's the location where the bowling alley and the thrift stores used to be. I mean, holy moly. I mean, that is a big time complex and they've got multiple buildings and they're four stories high. And the people that live on the back side of that, oh my, I mean, it's like they're behind a skyscraper between the, the big retaining wall and then the four stories. I mean, it was a, it's a radical project, uh, at least according to Poway's tradition. Um, but I, I, I'm just amazed that it wasn't on the list. Um, another one that I had on my list that wasn't on the Poway Chieftain's list for 2023 was Pomerado Road. My God, I mean, they're still working on Pomerado Road now. Um, in fact, I was just driving by the Palm. Well, technically, this is still in San Diego. It was Pomerado Road right by Sprouts. But still, Pomerado Road further south in Poway, they're still trenching. They're still digging. They still have pylons. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, they, they put in that gas line. You figured, okay, one and done, gas line done. But it seems like there's a lot of more narrow trenching they've done. And I don't know what that's for. Is it for electric lines, cable TV lines, internet? I mean, what is it? But it seems like they, they, they um, dig, they, they, they uh, you know, create these channels into the asphalt. They lay whatever infrastructure is in there and then they, they, they patch it up. And then like a month later, they're digging again and it just never seems to end. I, I kind of lose touch with what their objective is. That wasn't on their list. And the other thing that wasn't on the list in 2023 that is a big issue for some people. Um, and if you pay attention to Poway politics, this is, a, in my opinion, a big issue is, is how we have a continuous process of city council people um, resigning before the end of their term thus giving the city council the ability to appoint someone who then has the potential to become an incumbent, which would give them an advantage in the next election. And on one level, you'd say, okay, if this happened once, you'd probably think it was a one-off, but it's happened more than once. I mean, it's it's happened when Barry Leonard um, uh, resigned recently, and then um, it happened with uh, when Steve Voss's position was replaced, and I think that ultimately went to Barry Leonard. And there was also the resignation of um, of Cunningham. And I remember that was also, that was the one that led to Kalen Frank, you know, getting the appointment and then later becoming the incumbent and winning. So that's been a pattern, 
you know, and say what you will about democracy, it definitely kind of throws a monkey wrench into the system because the the appointed person has a huge advantage come election time. And it gives those in power the ability to kind of create a perpetual power base going forward. Now, Anita Edmondson was the person that was appointed to fill Barry Leonard's spot, and she has taken a pledge not to run in November of 2024. I assume she's not going to challenge that. Um, It would be huge if she decided to challenge it. But to me, that was still a very interesting topic. Um, And we're seeing some of that in other cities as well. And and like I said, on one level, if if people are resigning because they've got a personal issue and it's a one-off thing, that's that's reasonable, but it seemed to be a pattern, almost a strategy. And uh, to me, that was a big issue that wasn't included in 2023. I mean, what do you think? What other projects or, or news stories in, in 2023 that were big in Poway that we haven't mentioned, that I haven't mentioned? Let me know in the live chat on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Um, like I said, this article on the Poway Chieftain, there's a version of it for Rancho Bernardo Forest Ranch and another one for Poway Unified uh, School District. And I'm going to do separate podcasts for them and talking about the the year in the in the rearview mirror, 2023, and also about the outlook for 2024. So let's do that for Poway. And let's talk a little bit about the 2024 outlook for Poway and the article that came out in the Poway Chieftain. But before we do, um, I just want to just let you know, if, if you want to learn more about my podcast, if if you've been clamoring for some podcast episodes, you haven't seen me active in a few months, you know, I've been telling you, I, I've been out of pocket and I'm trying to get back in pocket now. Let me know. I mean, if you got a comment or a question, go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. All my episodes there, I've got a few blog articles, some other information there. You can connect with me on social media. You can even go there and get on my mailing list. Um, If you want to learn more, go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. Okay, now, um, let's talk about looking forward into the year 2024. And this was another article here in the Poway Chieftain. And, you know, this was by Julie Gallant. And, you know, I like these articles. I mean, we don't get enough local news. And that's what I'm trying to help out with my podcast is providing opportunity for, you know, local news and comment here in the San Diego community. And I kind of, you know, I I lean more on my hometown of Poway and my community here in North County Inland and like talking about issues here. Poway Chieftain does a good job. But, you know, they're, they're not like a – I mean, newspapers are typically skeleton crews. They don't have a whole lot of resources, but they, I think, do a decent job here. And I think this gives me an opportunity to share their article, and I'll include the link in the show notes when I post the podcast, and, and provide sort of a jumping-off point to comment on a wide range of issues. So let's talk about looking ahead to 2024, and according they, – they interviewed – um, you know, Julie Gallant interviewed uh, Peter DeHoff and Brian Pepin, who are two city council members, as well as Mayor Steve Voss, and talking about what are the plans going forward. And 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 there were success stories. There was the new playground at Lake Poway, arts, entertainment, etc. But let's start first with, um, excuse me, let's start first here with public safety. And I have Brian Pepin's 
photo on this slide. I could have had Steve Voss's. They both talk about public safety. So does Peter DeHoff and Kalen Frank, and I'm sure Anita Edmondson does as well. It's important that our city prioritizes public safety. And what do we mean by that? That's like police, fire, and in Poway's case, the fire department also provides the ambulance services. In my opinion, this is the number one most important thing any local government should do is public safety. Um, That's what we depend on them for. Uh, And the fact that our city council members here frequently repeat that as their primary, in my opinion, is good. Now, granted, our city council definitely leans towards the Republican side of the aisle, who are obviously big on public safety issues. There's a lot of controversy, too, here in Poway, where uh, the mayor has often said we're one of the safest cities in the county, if not the safest. Chris Cruz, who is another community activist, has been challenging that and apparently showing articles that not all the cities submit their data and how reliable is it that Poway really is that safe. But I mean, look around. I mean, if you go, Poway is not perfect. Poway is not utopia. There still is crime in Poway. There's probably been an increase in burglaries and home thefts. And if you go on Poway Neighbors, people are always shrieking about that. And they got their ring doorbell cameras capturing people doing bad things on their property, stealing cars, whatever, catalytic converters. We've seen an uptick there. But you know what? I mean, I think it's worth pointing this out, that violent crime nationally has been on a steady downward trajectory for like 30 years. I think it peaked in the early 90s. And for the last 30 years, I mean, the murder rates, homicide rates, down, down, down. We had a little uptick during the pandemic and it's starting to come down again. But still, I mean, you got to focus on this. Um, And according to Voss, uh, Steve Voss, he said, quote, if you have heard me talk about Poway, You've heard me boast about how we are the safest city in San Diego County and among the safest in California. I'm proud of that and confident that our standing is not in jeopardy. Okay. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Um, I think generally speaking, he's right. Um, And, you know, we can quibble about what is the safest city in the county. And there are definitely some parts of the county that are maybe less safe or more safe than others. But Poway, you know, we're kind of this isolated little bubble, you know, east of the 15 freeway. We're almost sort of a, in a way, kind of a self-contained community. And yeah, you know, public safety, it's been relatively safe. You know, even if you want to challenge some of the data and whether or not Poway is the number one safest city in San Diego County, or if Poway is one of the most safe in California, we can quibble about the data, but, you know, the overall trajectory is very clear. It is a safer city than, than most. But Voss was also asked um, about some of the other challenges that he recognized. And I want to jump to one of them here. And where is it? Oh, it's this one here. The talent issue. Um, according to, to Steve Voss, he said, among the top challenges is the struggle to recruit and retain top talent at City Hall in Poway. Um, He said they often encounter a, quote, David versus Goliath mentality when recruiting firefighters, engineers, planners, and utility specialists with high-level certifications. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I remember it was a year or two ago, this was kind of a hot issue as it pertained to our fire department. The fire department had some open positions they were trying to hire. The issue at hand was that 
our firefighters were leaving Poway, going to other cities because the other cities paid more. Well, that was true in a lot of cases, but it wasn't like Poway was paying poverty wages to our firefighters. I mean, they were still really good wages um, that offered a lot of perks like the the overtime and, and the extra time and the ability to spike your pension and a lot of other things. Uh, but still, was it the most competitive? I mean, did they have the highest salaries? No, they didn't. But a lot of other communities are going through similar challenges. I know San Diego as well. But uh, the thing that struck me here is, is that when recruiting firefighters, yeah, okay, yeah, public safety is one of the top concerns in Poway. But engineers and planners, and that's when I started thinking, okay, these are the bureaucrats. These are the, the regulators that are telling people what they can and cannot do with their property. And I'm thinking that's an area that maybe they can downsize that so they can upsize what's going on with with um, uh, with with public safety. And then utility specialists with high level certifications. Well, they definitely need that. If Poway is going to the city government is going to run the water and sewage infrastructure, you're going to need you know specialists there. And, yeah, in cases there are some engineers for sure. Um, but that's an interesting one because the city's budget. I, I'm my if I can recall, because I was on the Poway Budget Review Committee a million years ago, probably like 15 years ago. Um, the vast majority of dollars spent in the city budget goes to employees, um, you know, and paying for their um, wages, their benefits, et cetera. Um, there's obviously a lot of capital expenses and things, but it's it's largely dependent on people. And we saw a trend there for a while. I remember Chris Opes talked about this, how revenue was increasing, but expenses were increasing at a faster pace. And we were going to have potentially in the future a deficit, and that was going to be a problem. And that's obviously something to be concerned with. When, when we get to these situations where there's a limited amount of money, it becomes a matter of priorities. And I think, you know, the city needs to make decisions on what are their core functions, and hopefully they're going to be addressing that. And if they need to spend more to get quality firefighters here in Poway, then so be it. But maybe they can eliminate other parts of the bureaucracy of City Hall that maybe are only like a third, fourth, fifth, sixth priority. To me, that would make sense. But this is, I think, just indicative in general of the labor shortage all throughout society in the United States, in California, even in San Diego. The unemployment rate's low. Private businesses have been paying more to retain talent. It's a competitive marketplace. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. Um, there are a few other things here uh, on the list. And here's a good one. The park upgrade at Lake Poway. And maybe you've seen social media posts from the city of Poway or from um, other folks. I mean, I know Chris Cruz posted a few about the upgraded park at Lake Poway. And they're putting in a new playground area there. And, and it's nice, you know, it's, 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 it's all upgraded. And the, what was there before was, I mean, I remember when my children were playground age children, and this was 15 to 20 years ago. And the playground there at Lake Poway was not good then either. I mean, they had like this wooden ship in a in the sand of the uh, of the playground and the wood was old and and parts of it were not you know they weren't nice and so they upgraded it and good on them you know they they spent all this money they upgraded it according to Steve Voss 
As we ring in the new year, we have much to celebrate. A brand new state-of-the-art playground at Lake Poway. Improvements at Community Park and Star Ridge Park. And, of course, tremendous project progress on the Clearwall Replacement Project, which I'll talk a little bit more in a moment. Um, yeah, this is nice. You know, it's funny. You Again, I, I reference Chris Cruz a lot because she's very outspoken. Uh, she says things that I agree with and things I don't agree with. But, you know, she has a substantial following here in Poway, kind of a vocal minority. And she is very vocal about parks and how we're not building enough parks and we need more shade in the parks and we need this with parks and that with parks. And, you know, I mean, we we all kind of prioritize parks differently, right, on our stack ranking of what we want our city to do. To me, parks are a nice to have, but not not a mandatory thing that the city should be really heavily investing in. But, you know, the fact that they did this to Lake Poway, yeah, it's nice. You know, it's a nice upgrade. And I, and I, and they definitely needed something there for sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> Pete Neal on the live stream. You have a great habit of providing focus on separate, quote, things and making them one. In this case, the city and the country, rodeo and projects, perhaps, perhaps we should think about tying those three together. Um, Pete goes on to say, um, not many people can get the peace and tranquility of a horseback ride on our miles of trails. Perhaps we should focus on that again, bring the country back to the city. Now, those are fair points. Now, a lot of these things, I, I purposely break these into segments, like a, like a news story, so I can have clips that are independent segments of like three to five minutes. And I share those on my YouTube channel and on social media. But yeah, a lot of these things are integrated. You know, a lot of it has to do with leadership that spans these projects. A lot of it has to do with the um, kind of the culture and the energy in our city and what residents are talking about and what's important to them. And there are certain themes. And definitely people here in Poway do like the fact that we have a, a great trail system, that we do have a lot of open space. Some people think we don't have enough. Um, some people think that we need to n not worry so much about the open space. We need to build more parks. We need more shade in the parks. We need more, you know, baseball and softball and, and soccer fields. You know, there's a, there's a lot that can be debated and discussed. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> having the tranquility of a horseback ride on our miles of trails, I mean, that sounds so calming, so you know, um, Norman Rockwell, you know, walking around Poway, riding a horse. Just as a tangent, and this is just one of my pet peeves when it comes to horses in Poway. And I like the horses. Yeah, I'm not a horse guy. But, you know, if I see a horse going down the street, it looks odd to me to see a horse on asphalt or on the sidewalk. But you do see them. Um, but mostly, yeah, they're on trails and that's fine. Um, but the thing that kind of my pet peeve is, is that, there are some people that are so vocally loud about their objection to dog poop, but never really share the same objection to horse poop. And I think one's natural, one's not, one you should clean up, one you don't need to necessarily clean up. I've often found that to be a contradiction. Um, but at any rate, yeah, I mean, more horseback trails on our, our area would be terrific. Pete goes on to say, at one point in time, we had more miles of equestrian trails than any other city in the country. In the country or the county? Um, I believe you, Pete. I mean, we, we've had a lot of trails, and I, don't, I think they've even expanded some of those trails. 
That's kind of a fun thing to do, by the way. I I did this where I, I got the Poway trail map out and, and I just started going through the trails. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this one and that one. I kind of had like a checklist, a punch list to go down. And I never finished that, but I did a substantial number of those trails. I should get back on get back on that horse and, and try that one again. Okay, what else did we have here of things to look look towards in 2024? This was one that, you know, like I commented earlier in the podcast about the Poway Center for the Performing Arts. And this is an area that has also been of concern. And like, for example, here in the article from the Poway Chieftain and Peter DeHoff, our city council, commented on this, but the the chieftain said, the Poway Center for the Performing Arts is a cornerstone of the community's culture. Oh, no, this is a quote from uh, Peter DeHoff. Excuse me. Um, The Poway Center for the Performing Arts is a cornerstone of the community's cultural landscape, DeHoff said, investing in strategic capital improvement projects and efforts to ensure efficient operations and programming remains a top priority. Preserving Poway's tradition of early... um, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going on to a different topic, but it's interesting. This again, for the life of me, I don't understand why Poway, especially when they were going through budget issues, why taxpayers are subsidizing a performing arts center. This does not compute. (laughs) You know, now this Poway Community Foundation that the Couvrets are starting, and they want to raise money to go to to help the Poway Community Arts, or the excuse me, the Poway Performing Arts Center. Terrific. That's great. I mean, in my opinion, we shouldn't be subsidizing baseball parks or football stadiums. We shouldn't be subsidizing corporations. We shouldn't be subsidizing arts. I think arts need to be privately funded. Um, Now, granted, the city recognizes the budget problem because, like I said earlier, they had an operating deficit of around $800,000 a year and the city kicked in the money you know, off of the backs of the taxpayers, most of which don't use the facility at all. Well, now they're working on whittling down that deficit. I'm, last I heard, they were trying to get it well underneath a half a million. I, I remember, I think I recall a number of around $200,000. Don't quote me. Um, and that's good. They're trying to minimize it. I still question, though, whether this really should be a priority for the city in the first place. City government should be about police, fire, Roads, water, sewage, parks, and pretty much everything after that is is a, a much lower priority. But there's definitely a constituency in Poway that really, really support this performing arts center. And I know the school district kicks in for it as well, but those guys are always struggling financially as well. Um, so Peter DeHoff sees that as a top priority, um, you know, for the for the city of Poway going forward. Um. What else? The water clear well. Um, you know, we talked about how the bond issue of $38 million was a big story in 2023. But now this water clear well is going to be resolved. And if you can see the drawing that's on the screen, you can see the softball field on the far right. Right now, those those tanks are in the, in that softball field, which is which has caused the displacement of the girls to play softball at Star Ridge. Well, eventually, it looks like those those tower, those containers, those tanks are going to be moving a little bit down the hill, closer to the rest of the of the of the um, the Department of Water's facility. There, this is a big deal, and like I said, this is going to you know it's a huge investment, one of the biggest investments in our city, 
it's to me, it's also kind of interesting if you go back and look up old news stories about how Lake Poway started and how we wanted to have our own water system because we were depending on importing water from other places. And we built Lake, when I say we, I mean Powegians, the city government decided to build the um, the dam and the water purification facility there. Um, and it really hasn't been upgraded in a really long time. And now they're finally going through with this. Now, in my opinion, they should be pumping in water that's coming from the desalination plant and from the pure water initiative of the recycled water in San Diego. Now, I I know it's confusing, all these pipes and, and where do the pipes start and where do they go and who's getting water from whom. My understanding is the vast majority, if not all the water that comes to Poway, either comes from the um, the Metropolitan Water District, which I think is a Southern California thing. And then there's a San Diego County level thing. And then independent water agencies buy the water wholesale from them. Um, And then that water is sourced from the Colorado River, in some cases from Northern California. You know, there's some local reservoirs here in Poway or in in San Diego County. I do wonder, though, um, how connected they are to the desal plant in Carlsbad or to the Pure Water Initiative in San Diego. My guess is probably not a lot, but that's where this whole thing's going. So, you know, we they needed to replace the clear wells, regardless of where the water's coming from. So the next question is, is what are we going to do about future access to water? And this is a hot topic because Fallbrook and a couple of other communities have opted out of the San Diego C- County Water District or Water Authority or whatever it's called. Um, but, you know, where do we get water and what's the most efficient way? So this is a big project going forward. But what else? I mean, what what was missing um, the, for looking ahead for 2024? Well, the picture there on my screen, that's a picture of a stone, uh, the stone, big stone lodge, the big stone lodge. Remember, we were hearing all the stories about the big stone lodge. They were going to they were going to uh, tear it down and they were going to put affordable housing there. But then it was in a floodplain. And then Chris Cruz and, and some of her followers were saying, no, we need to make it a passive park with shade and trails. And, uh, and that way, if it's, a, if it's in a flood zone, it's not a big deal. Um, other people have said we need, to, we need to rebuild it, you know, and preserve Poway's history. Other people said, well, you can tear it down, but you should put up like a, a plaque or a monument or something commemorating it because it's a huge part of Poway history. Well, it's true, but why are we not hearing anything about the Big Stone Lodge anymore? And last time I was there, which was a few years ago, it was still big uh, chain link fence around it. There were rats. There were holes in the roof. It makes me wonder what they're going to do there. I should kind of go down Old Pomerado Road and poke my nose in and see. What else was missing for 2024? No talk about Poway Road development. Very little talk about what we can anticipate with the the completion of the development of the farm. I mean, you know, McNamara says that'll be the, the first phase of it will be done really in the, uh, the fall of 2024. I'm surprised there was no mention of that by city officials on what they were looking forward to in 2024 and the outlook for Poway. What else? How about the outpost? That's the big hole in the ground right next to five guys, right next to the mortuary on Poway Road. Now, granted, it's private property, and apparently the owner of that land is going through bankruptcy, and they're having their sets of challenges. 
And what can the city council do? Probably not a lot because someone needs to buy the land and then decide what they want to do with the property. But I'm just surprised that it wasn't on the list of, you know, a plan. It was some kind of thing that they were hopeful that could be resolved in 2024. So it doesn't become this piece of property that's sort of in limbo, you know, that's in like this state of, you know, construction with the pause button. I'm kind of curious to see what they decide to do with that. Um, <laughs> oh, this is actually, I got just got another live stream comment here from our good friend, Yuri Bolin. He says, just joined in. Not sure if it's been discussed, but what's your opinion of toilet to tap in California? Well, I already commented on it. I'm a big supporter of toilet to tap. Um, that's the water recycling. And it sounds awful on its face. But I remember John Mullen, former city council member, was here in my podcast studio back in 2018. He sat on the board um, that oversees the Pure Water Initiative. The water that's coming out of the toilet to tap is cleaner. It is safer. It is more pure than the water that we're already getting from the Colorado River. That's how good the technology is. And it's significantly less expensive to recycle that water than it is to manufacture clean water out of salt water. You know, the desalinization, that's an expensive process. This Pure Water Initiative is a lot cheaper. So I'm, I'm a big supporter of that. And like I said, I'm hopeful that some of that finds its way into Poway. Okay, um, what else was missing in 2024? The, I remember I said the housing development. And by the way, did you notice that when it comes to development, I told you this is definitely the number one story in Poway. Uh, as far as what people are hot and bothered about, you know, whether you're, you're against development, you're against developers, or you're against traffic, or you're just against change, um, or whether you don't want more people moving in or whatever it is, there's a lot of different people that are objecting or, or you have a problem with the way the city council is conducting the business. And, you know, the money in politics and all of that where developers are contributing to campaign, um, uh, campaign funds for some of these city council members or to go against their opposition – Different people in different categories are upset about the development. It's it's not just Chris Cruz and, and some of the progressives and the South Poway folks that are upset about it. But there are people in North Poway and people in other parts of the community of people that are right wing and left wing and somewhere in the middle and people of different communities in Poway. And they've, they've coalesced. And there's this new Poway group called Poway Voices, if you've seen it on Facebook. And it seems to be, you know— Chris Cruz's South North Poway Votes Group, plus a lot of other people that are just focused on these development issues, people that have been objecting to the Lifetime Fitness um, Project, people that have been objecting to the farm, people that were objecting to Poway Commons and the Fairfield Project. And then we've got that new project that's coming up. What's that one called? The Harmon Ranch, which is going to be off of Oak Knoll. So a lot of anti-development people are coming together in that Poway Voices community trying to get their voice heard. How is that not, you know, part of like big things to think about with 2024 is development is by far the biggest issue on most people's minds. What else is not in that list? Um, like I alluded to money and politics. Now, granted, you know, our, our, our the writer of this article um, and her name is uh, is Julie Gallant. She interviewed 
the mayor and various city council members here in Poway, they're not going to say this, but I will, is the money in politics. That's a big deal. And, and it's only gotten worse. It's gotten it's become a bigger problem in Poway as there's been more development. There's been a lot more money flowing into like a local city council race, like in a little district of a collection of neighborhoods. Some of these candidates are getting tens of thousands of dollars that are either going to their campaign or are going to PACs, political action committees that either support their efforts or want to take down or criticize their competitors. Excuse me. Um, That's a huge issue. Now, I don't think there's anyone that thinks that's a good idea of having all this corporate dollars flowing into campaigns, um, essentially distorting messages or trying to tip the playing field. You know, people in general are not, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right or wherever that, however you align politically, most people don't want big money in politics because they know it leads to corruption and it leads to a lot of other negative outcomes. In my opinion, the reason that there's so much money in politics is because the politicians have so much control over the local economy, in, in particular over housing. And as a result, these developers are paying money uh, to help out campaigns directly or indirectly, which in turn is used to influence the decisions that the local government officials are making about land and about the way the economy is regulated locally. Like I said before, the city government, local government should be fire, police, in, in this case, for Poway's case, ambulance, sewage, water, roads, parks. And that's kind of it. Um, not much more than that. Um, but when you have city officials that are so tightly integrated into how all this housing is going on and approving this or disapproving that, then, of course, there's going to be money flowing in to try to influence the process. But that wasn't mentioned at all either. The other thing for 2024 that wasn't mentioned, there's two others on my list. One was um, uh, town halls. And I remember hearing candidates talking about that. And in fact, I'm, if I recall, some of the candidates that won might have talked about town halls and more communication. I think that'd be great. I mean, you know, you go to the city council and you want to speak, you get three minutes, in some cases, only two minutes. And it's kind of, you say your piece and it sort of goes out into the ether. There's no response. There's no follow-up. There's, there's no accountability and there's not a kind of an open conversation. Um, you know, even you go like you watch these presidential town halls that are going on right now. You see them on CNN. Candidates are being asked questions and then the candidates respond to those questions with, you know, you may like or dislike their answers, but they are responding. When you go to, to City Hall and go before public comments, a lot of times they can't say much. They can't really comment on the public comments. We need more of that. We need more of that town hall thing. It was just it was mentioned in the political campaigns in 2022. I don't recall seeing it. I know for sure a lot of the candidates that lost wanted the town halls. But I recall, I think some of the candidates that won were also proponents of that. In my opinion, that's just transparency in government. We should have that regardless. And the last thing, it's on my list, but it's this whole Poway identity crisis issue. 
Is Poway really a city in the country? Is it a city? Is it a suburban city? Is it rural? Is it the country? Or is that like a feel-good um, you know, slogan from days long ago when we had a hitching post and we had a um you know, we had a a, a a wagon stop at the Big Stone Lodge. I mean, people are have a connection with our local history, and I get it. Our history is cool. It's a really, a really interesting history here in Poway. But is it still a city in the country? It seems like we cling to that motto and they get angry when it doesn't live up to the motto. But it hasn't been living up to that motto for, I mean, the Poway Rodeo was standing, hasn't been living up to that motto for like 30 years. Makes you wonder. I mean, what else? So what else have these city officials left out as some of their top priorities for 2024? Let me know. I'm interested in your thoughts and comments. Okay. um, I got a couple more things. What I like to do at the end here is go into my uh, San Diego community forum. And here we can talk about some of the issues that you're talking about in responding to some of my social media comments and posts. And and um, this provides a jumping off point to talk about some other issues that in some cases are local to Poway, or if not, they're definitely close to home. Here's a, a comment on our YouTube channel. This was, I was, make, I was a discussion about the minimum wage for fast food workers, $20 an hour. And, you know, this is just kind of a, an interesting topic because, you know, what should the minimum wage be? Should there be different minimum wages for different industries? Because we're seeing that $20 minimum for fast food, $25 minimum for people in healthcare. That's what is being proposed or hasn't been passed in the state of California. I don't know. You hear clamoring for a so-called living wage that's never really defined, but we have a minimum wage that's what, 17 an hour, I think it's up to now. Is that a living wage or is $20 a living wage or is it 25 and to if, if $25 an hour is the minimum wage, does that mean other people don't deserve a minimum wage or excuse me, don't deserve a living wage? It's just tricky. Some of the rhetoric here, but according to Brian, he responded on my YouTube channel. They've already been raising prices to prepare and are going to raise it more after they're already increased the amount of work we need to get done, cut hours, cut people and time goals. Um, and time goals need to be met. They've also closed the gap and pay more between management and regular employees. And from what I'm hearing might even demote assistant managers to quote head shift leaders so they can pay them less for their responsibilities. If anything, it's ripping off fast food workers. This is fascinating. The whole topic of minimum wage. Definitely. If a business sees any of their expenses rise, whether it's labor or cost of goods sold, or in this case with fast food, whether it's food or, and it might be utilities, it might be rent. It could be any number of things. When prices go up, there's an impact, (laughs) you know, either um, if, if their expenses go up, then they either need to charge more money for their food or for their product, or they're going to have to make cuts on spending. And most cuts are going to involve people. And I think that's what Brian was alluding to. Um, or, you know, there, there's going to be less profit for those businesses. In some cases, those businesses that were only a little bit profitable will suddenly be operating at a loss and will go out of business. What do you think about this? You know, I, I mean, to, to me, the minimum wage in general, I, you know, I, I think it's kind of a, 
it ends up making some jobs illegal. Um, I, I'm generally not a fan of minimum wage. Only about 2% of workers, maybe even 1%, are actually earning minimum wage. Most people make way more than that. And when you increase the minimum wage, there's an impact. But the part that I really have a problem with is how there are different minimum wages for different industries. And if we're going to have so-called equality under the law, then why is there different minimum wages? And which industries deserve a higher minimum wage more so than others? And then you have bureaucrats making, in these cases, politicians making these arbitrary decisions, most likely, in my opinion, probably targeting industries that unions can find their way in, or maybe they can dig their heels deeper. Unions can have more strength, you know, because that's what they're trying to do is get a lot more labor movement behind this to prop up a lot of the candidates. But an interesting topic, nonetheless. And here's one more comment that came in on the YouTube channel. And this is about the San Diego sales tax increase. Because, you know, that's been, that was proposed a number of uh, months ago. And I think they got enough signatures to get it on the ballot. And, you know, San Diego is already crazy expensive. I mean, you know, not only are housing expensive, we have the highest electricity rates in, in the state. Water is expensive and it's getting more expensive. You know, housing, rent. Mortgage prices, uh, housing prices are crazy. Property taxes, well, the rate might not be that high, but the amount of, we write a check to the county tax assessor sure is a lot. Gas taxes are $1.20 a gallon in California. Income taxes are really higher. They're planning on raising income taxes even higher on the uber rich. And now they want to increase the sales tax, which, by the way, affects the poor probably at a much higher degree than the rich. According to King Cat Rider, um, this person said, if state and federal government can't stay out of our pockets, then it's going to come to a head. Remember, a battle over taxes brought this country into being. It's actually becoming criminal at this point. Once our leadership becomes the reason we are all doing bad, then there is no reason to support them anymore. None. Well, <clears throat> here's the deal. In California, there is always going to be a desire to raise taxes. For a number of reasons. Um, number one is you have a lot of, uh, you know, for the most part, progressives, for the most part, Democrats, left wing that want government to, to fund all of these big policies and increase revenue into some of their most important priorities like education and public health. And we can go down the list. And there's always going to be demand for more funding there because California is so expensive in the first place, you have to pay the employees a lot more so they can live in California. And then it becomes more expensive for other people. And it becomes sort of this cyclical thing. But at the other, on the other hand, you have a lot of people that want to raise taxes on themselves. I mean, you look at some of the districts, the voting districts in California that have, have approved tax increases on the rich or have approved sales tax increases often are in very wealthy zip codes that have voted for that. So you see people that want more taxes and that are already paying a ton. I've often asked the question, well, if you want higher taxes, then just pay more rather than demanding that other people pay more or, you know, put create foundations like the Couvrets are doing to raise money voluntarily privately and then be able to funnel those dollars to initiatives that are important to you. So we're going to see if this goes to the ballot, if they're going to raise the sales tax in, in San Diego. I think they will.
I think that I think it's going to end up passing, especially as, as San Diego has become more democratic. I think every person on the San, San Diego City Council is a Democrat, including the mayor, I think. And then the the county board of supervisors, which used to be almost all Republicans, I think as a Democrat majority. So this is going to continue. What else? I, I want to share a meme with you. And, and this is a meme that I posted on South and North Poway votes. And here, I'll show it to you. I, I saw this online and it caught my attention because it was, it was about Poway. And the meme, there's a picture of a trolley car. And the trolley car is coming down the track and there's a guy at the switch and he can send the trolley car straight or to the left. And, it, and if it goes to the left, it's going to run over a guy <laughs> <laughs> and and it says a failing 1960s bowling alley I remember fondly as a child. And if he flips the switch the other way, the trolley is going to run over 98 new homes for people in the epicenter of the housing crisis. So, I mean, what do you think of that one? It caught my attention because it was referencing the bowling alley from the 1960s. And I was like, oh, this is totally Poway. Because remember when they were tearing down that bowling alley? I mean, there was an uproar and people were like, oh, I remember that bowling alley. Went there as a kid and we had birthday parties and I still go there and we do karaoke. And, and uh, you know, why do they need to get rid of the bowling alley? And there's no place for the kids to go and there's nothing to do in Poway. And Never mind the fact that bowling is a lot less popular in America. Bowling alleys around the country are closing. Um, and the owner in that property didn't want to run a bowling alley anymore. They wanted to get out of it. And he sold the property for housing. But it does raise an interesting question is, is that, you know, a lot of times people want to, and we see this here in Poway, they, they didn't want to eliminate the Poway bowling alley or the thrift stores. They, just, they wanted to keep Poway Road as it was to preserve the tradition. Never minding the fact that there is a legitimate housing crisis in America, in California, in San Diego, and even in Poway. And some people object to the housing that's being developed in Poway because those evil developers are profiting off of this. And they're only in it for the money. But they lose sight of the fact that there are people that are going to move in to that housing and in this case, 98 new homes for people in the epicenter of the housing crisis. Well, I posted this on Facebook and South North Poway Votes. And of course, I got a great feedback from a number of people, Chris Cruz and others, that are very um, anti-development, that are very anti the specific Poway development projects. And they were saying, well, you know, these are $3,000 a month uh, rent for these apartment buildings that are going to be at the site of the, of, the, of the bowling alley. You can't imagine that people that can afford $3,000 a month rent payments are really part of the housing crisis, right? Well, they are. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, okay, I don't know what the rent's going to be, but it's, it's definitely going to be $2,500, $3,000, something. These are going to be brand new apartment buildings, so it'll be nice. But- that development doesn't just benefit the developers, those evil profit-seeking construction companies. That money also helped out the Poway landowner who owned that land previously and was able to sell it at a profit and be able to provide um, you know, money for their family. At the same time, there are hundreds of people that are moving in, thousands of people that will be moving into those apartments at the Fairfield Project, moving in on the Poway Commons, moving in um, at the 
outposts, whenever the hell they actually finish that. Moving in at the farm, there's a lot of people that are going to be benefiting because they're finally getting a house or a place to live or a condo in Poway, and they want to experience the same high quality of living that all of us have. And we often lose sight of that. Now, the other part of it that people, I think, in my opinion, also lose sight of it is are low-income people going to move into those $3,000 a month places? Of course not. Of course not. They'll never be able to afford that. I mean, think about that. If it's $3,000 a month, that's like $36,000 a year. You know, roughly speaking, you'd have to earn fifty grand a year to net after tax $36,000 just to pay for a roof over your head. You'd have to earn $50,000. And you'd have to earn a heck of a lot more just to be able to survive, to buy food and electricity and have some walking around money and gas and car payment and everything else. So, yeah, those those apartments that are being built there are definitely not for low income. And people have complained about that. They're saying a portion of that should be allocated to people that are low income for affordable housing. Now, I think some of the Poway Commons was affordable housing. I don't think there's any in the farm, although that was a criticism of the farm. But you got to think about it this way, and this is how I see it, is that you have to look beyond the initial transaction. It's not just who's buying the apartment or buying the condo or renting the apartment. And maybe they are high-income couples, high-income families, or maybe they're two high-income single people that are roommates that that are renting. But you got to ask yourself, where did they live before? Did they move out of a million-dollar mansion? Or actually, a million dollars really isn't a mansion anymore. But did they move out of a $10 million mansion up in the Heritage to move into a $3,000 a month apartment on Poway Road? No, of course not. Where did they move from? They were probably living in a different rental property somewhere else in San Diego County, probably a place that was less expensive older, more run down, and probably further away from where their place of work was. They want to live in Poway because of the quality of life. They want to live in an upgraded housing, and they want to probably live closer to where their work is. And they want to be in the Poway Unified School District, which has a lot of benefits for the children and for families that live in this area. I mean, there's plenty to criticize with PUSD, but generally speaking, it's a good school district. So when they move out of those places, wherever the heck they lived before, in Spring Valley, in Escondido, uh, if people lived in, um, I mean, in Claremont, in Santee, and they move in, well, that means where they moved out of has now become vacant. And now that can be rented or sold at a lower price. So that's how I, th- I see this, is when you're building brand spanking new housing, you're not necessarily building brand spanking new housing for the low income. I mean, it would be like buying a brand new car for a person with a minimum wage job and having the government subsidize that. So a 15 or $17 an hour person could have a brand new car. Well, when you get a minimum wage job, when you're just starting out, you get an old car that's inexpensive. I remember my first car I bought for $500 and fixed it up. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can talk stories about their first cars. 
And the same thing is true with housing is that when you get housing, when you get, you know, get out of college, or even if you don't go to college in your twenties, you don't move into like a two bedroom apartment by yourself. I mean, you have roommates and you find creative ways to live. And then as you earn more money, you eventually keep upgrading the places you live. And eventually you're, if you're fortunate, you're in a position to buy. We lose sight of the fact that there's a cascading benefit to all this new housing that's being built is that the people that are moving in are moving out of somewhere else. And then the people that move into that somewhere else are moving out of somewhere else else and so on down the line. Um, and I think people really lose sight of that. And there was one more comment I want to throw out there. Um, and this is a tweet that was along the same lines. And it was from Elizabeth Warren, you know, our, our senator, Massachusetts senator from, um, from Massachusetts, who's very outspoken, very progressive. And she says, America is in the middle of a full-blown housing crisis. There are a lot of ways to measure it, but I'll start with the most basic. We are 7 million units short of what we need to house people. What can we do? Increase the housing supply. It's plain old Econ 101. Well, you can see there that I liked it, um, and uh, I like that tweet, which is very rare for me to like an Elizabeth Warren tweet. But she's right, and I think a lot of people just don't get it. You know, it's like if you want, if you have scarcity, prices go up. If you have scarcity with high demand, like housing in San Diego, prices really go up. But if you just allow developers to build and they build more housing and you make it easier for them to build and less expensive for them to build and less cumbersome from a regulatory perspective to build, then they're going to build more and there'll be more supply. And as a result, there's going to be more places to live. And then you're going to see a cascading effect of people moving about in the marketplace and it's going to free up a lot of older buildings, a lot of less expensive rental units that are going to be a lot more um, financially friendly with our low-income friends. I mean, think about the people that are homeless. A lot of them have jobs, but they don't make quite enough to be able to pay their rent. The rent's too expensive. It's like the guy that ran for governor of New York about 10 years ago. The rent's too damn high. And it is. But it's all a function of supply and demand, and government regulators are the ones that tightly control the supply. And you get a lot of NIMBYs, not in my backyard, that want to prevent development or slow down development or limit development, that what they end up doing is slowing down the availability of housing, making housing more and more scarce, you know, because there's going to be an influx of people in, into San Diego, and as a result, prices go up because, you know, we have these big companies that are moving to San Diego. A lot of high paid engineer job, engineering jobs are coming down here. A lot of high paid biotech jobs are coming here to, to San Diego. These people need places to stay. And when they have a place to live and there's more income being generated, that's going to also have a cascading effect throughout the whole community. It's going to bring more revenue and more income potential to people at all levels of income in San Diego. But there's still continued resistance. And now granted, the resistance to housing has relaxed in the last, let's say, five years, especially in Poway. But even in other parts, I mean, there's big development going on in Rancho Penasquitos at Merge 56 at the Double Tree right there off the 15. Um, there's housing development projects in just about every nook and cranny of San Diego County. And people are going nuts. They're going crazy over all this, but we need the housing. 
I was even having a conversation um, with some locals here in Poway, people insisting, oh, we don't have a housing crisis. There, there's no housing shortage because whatever you build, they're just going to fill it up and you were still going to have low uh, vacancy. And, you know, the new housing they build, they're just going to try to get as much as they can for their rent. And, and so it's not going to solve the problem. Well, first of all, of course, the landlord is going to try to get as much as they can for rent. But they can only get what they can get based on the competitive marketplace and what the rents are in that community. So, you know, if, if, if you're going to go to the Poway Fairfield project and rent an apartment there, and let's just say it's $3,000, but there's another apartment complex down the street and it's only 2800 who do you think the renter is going to rent from? They're going to rent from the $2,800 one, assuming all other things equal. They're going to then, and, and, and you can see how that can, that can cascade down to lower levels as well. And then especially if people are moving out of old apartments. I mean, think about a lot of those old 1950s, 1960s duplexes, fourplexes that are in North Park and City Heights and other parts of San Diego. I bet you there'll be a lot of people that will move out of those and move into new brand new uh, housing. And those, those less expensive, certainly not cheap, it's San Diego, but less expensive places will suddenly become available. Okay, we had one more comment here on the live stream, and um, <laughs> we got a couple here. Here's one from Yuri, and he says, most people don't read ballot measures. A good example of this is the many menthol cigarette smokers voted on the ban thinking it only applied to flavored vapes. When they ban- banned menthol cigarettes, they were shocked. Yeah. I mean, this has a racial component as well, because... Supposedly, you know, you know, blacks disproportionately enjoy menthol cigarettes more than non-blacks. I don't know. I don't have the data. I've just heard that anecdotally. Uh, is that true? And, you know, this kind of goes to like the minimum wage, you know, they have different minimum wages for different, for different uh, industries, for different careers. In this case, different tobacco taxes, depending on the type of tobacco that it is. Or different bands, depending on the type of tobacco it is. Yeah, yeah, people make silly mistakes. People, a lot of times, voters don't understand the repercussions of what they're voting for. And whose fault is that? It's the voters' problem. But at the same time, there, there's just, you know, in elections, there's just a lot of propaganda. A lot of times what uh, candidates are saying doesn't match up with the reality of how they govern. Sometimes they'll say one thing, but they really mean another. Sometimes they say they want to do things with the best of intentions, and then they just, for whatever reason, can't get it done. Um, but at any rate, there's, um, there is a, a lot of distortion of messaging in campaigns. And a lot of times, the advertising agencies behind these campaigns know how to push emotional buttons, know how to make a political issue a moral issue. And get people fired up to vote one way or the other. And it's kind of like the farm in Poway where, you know, the submission for that project was a very detailed report that went to the city council on, you know, hundreds of pages, I'm guessing, tens of pages, hundreds of pages, a very detailed report. But you certainly don't see that whole report when you're in the voting booth. You get two sentences, so that's why it's incumbent on voters to do their research. That's also why it's incumbent that uh, that I hope people will watch and listen to this podcast. Now, granted, 
I'm sharing my opinion here. You may agree with me. You may disagree with me. But I enjoy having guests on, especially political candidates, that are going to be able to explain what they mean and what they support and why they support it. We need more of that. And that's what um, my my John Riley project is partly about. And so, you know, it's it's an election season. It's 2024. I would expect that we're going to see more of this discussion. Um, You know, we're going to find out who's running and who wants to be a guest on this podcast and who doesn't. I know there's some people that don't want to be on it, um, but we'll find out. And, you know, just for the record, when I'm conducting interviews of politicians, the main thing that I want to, my main objective is to get them to tell their story, is to get them to explain who they are, their character, what drives them, why certain priorities are important to them, and then details of what their plans are. And of course, we'll have a conversation about it, and I may agree and I may disagree. And But the result of that is that we're able to flip over some rocks. We're able to understand more about what these politicians are really in it for. And as voters, we could be more educated when we go to the ballot box. And I hope we can continue more of that in 2024. Okay. Um, I'm back in the saddle, friends. Uh, you know, I'm going to try to keep going on a weekly basis. This Wednesday midday for a live stream is good. I get a chance to take this podcast and break it up into segments. You'll see video clips on YouTube and Facebook. You can engage and interact and respond there as well. Be sure to like, follow, share, and subscribe to all of my content. Uh, if you want to get more information, you can, on my social media platforms, go to Connect with Johnny connectwithjohnny.com. And there, quick links to all my social media uh, accounts, um, as well as getting on our mailing list. And that's how you can get involved and participate. Hey, if you want to be a guest, you don't have to be a candidate to be a guest. You just got a strong opinion about what's going on, not just in Poway or Rancho Bernardo, but you've got a comment or you've strong opinions on what's going on in Imperial Beach or Oceanside or Escondido or Santee or Alpine. You know, let me know. Go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. Go to our contact box. Send us a a note, and we'd love to get you involved. Now, I will have similar podcast episodes coming up shortly for the 2023 Year in Review for Rancho Bernardo Forest Ranch and 2023 Year in Review for Poway Unified School Board. The school board one's going to be wild because it's got all that that softball gate thing going on over there as well. There'll be plenty to talk about. But at the same time, for both... Ranch Bernardo Forest Ranch and for Poway Unified School District, some of our local officials, including Ginger Couvret, who I've, I've referenced, have made some comments about their plans for 2024. So we'll take a look at that as well. And so I hope you can join me for that. And then this Friday, mark your calendar at 7 p.m., um, we're going to go live on a live stream with Fernando Garcia. Um, Fernando is a city council candidate in San Diego, District 9. Great guy. Um, He is an independent and he takes pride in that. He's not a Republican and he's not a Democrat. Uh, And he wants to, he's kind of like me. He wants to have more conversation, more discussion of these issues and not make it so darn partisan. And he's also like me where he can see some value in the left and some value in the right and some value in a third place. Um, And he offers a very unique perspective on things. And I think it's refreshing. Now, District 9, I don't know exactly what that covers, but I think he lives in Kensington. So it'll be that area plus, you know, some radius around Kensington. 
So we'll have him here Friday at 7 p.m. in the live stream. And if you have questions or comments about City of San Diego politics, maybe you're in District 9 and you're doing your research already on some of these candidates, this would be a great time to ask questions of Fernando Garcia. We'll do that Friday at 7. Um, and... Uh, Okay. And then Yuri chimes in here at the end. Glad, glad I caught your show, John. It's been a while. Glad you're back. Yeah. I think my last podcast episode was like in mid to late October, something like that. And um, yeah, vacations and holidays and getting the crud and getting distracted. And, you know, this podcasting is, I, I've noticed is that the more I do, the more I do. Um, when I'm in a rhythm, um, I'm able to get more out. Um, when, I, when I start getting sporadic, it becomes more difficult to get back on the horse and get going again. I start overthinking it and I start doubting myself where I just need to get up in front of this camera and I'm going to share what I think are important news stories around the county and, and I'm going to share my opinions and thoughts on them and you may agree and you may disagree and that's okay. I won't hate you for it. And if you disagree, we'll have a conversation about it and we'll come out of it knowing a little bit more. And the people that are listening and watching that aren't part of the discussion, well, they're going to learn more too. And we're all going to be better off for it. Uh, this long format gives us the freedom and the flexibility to do a lot of things that can't be done in newspapers or in articles or in anything else. And so this is, um, I think we're going to get back onto this. Uh, Matt says, yeah, just say this is the start of a new season. It is. It's Happy New Year. So um, we'll be back at it. This, by the way, is episode number 331 of the John Riley Project. Thank you, everyone, Yuri and Matthew and Pete for joining us. I know there's been other people on the live stream that haven't chimed in. That's okay. Thanks for joining me as well. And uh, we'll be back at you definitely next Wednesday for the regular John Riley Project. But this Friday in two days at 7 p.m. with Fernando Garcia, candidate for city council in, Powell, uh, in San Diego. Look forward to having you join us then. Have a great day, friends. For life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, this is John Riley. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog, or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.